from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It's just a Friday, October 4th, 2019. My name is Jesse Carey, and you are listening to The Relevant Podcast. We got a very, very big show for you today. Uh, later, coming up, we talk to Drew Holcomb about his brand new album, Dragons. It's a killer album. They're out on tour right now, so stay tuned for that. But joining me today from the studio, once again, it's our creative director. Uh, some people call him J.D., other people call him John David Harris. John, J.D., thanks for joining us, man. <laughs> Greetings. And joining us from, I believe, North Carolina at the moment is yes. singer, songwriter, uh, podcaster, uh, general, just a cool dude. <laughs> do you like my do you like my pre-recorded intro there i just uh, I, uh, you know i was trying to find the right adjective mr john bark mcmillan john mark how's it going man hey man it's going well it's so good to be with you guys again yeah dude thanks for joining us man so yeah. uh you're recording i i can't help but notice this i'm gonna give some people some behind the scenes here you appear to be recording in a different location in your home from last time last time we were in the studio now we are in front of uh some very nice blinds and some cool drapes <laughs> how many recording areas do you have in your home i mean we really have one main recording area and then i can run cables around the house but uh jacob the producer that i'm working with he's next door actually editing right now oh as wow. we're speaking so i had i moved into this room because it's a little quieter in here yeah yeah so 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 you say he's editing i don't want to give too much away but sure. all, all we, we can say this there are things in the works there are yes many things in the works <laughs> okay okay and we're we we were talking before the show i'm i'm the only thing i want to plug is to follow uh john mark mcmillan on twitter and instagram to get the yes. latest updates on those uh hey i want to I, we got a, a lot of interesting things uh to get to today uh some 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 news from pop culture but john mark you were recently on a podcast called the ferment right yes uh-huh yep Okay, I have to be honest with you. When I first saw, I saw you tweet about that. I thought the name was the Firmament, like, <laughs> like from from the, the Book firmament. of Genesis. And can yes. I tell you guys, did, did, John Mark, did you go to Christian school when you were growing up? I did not go to Christian school. No. Okay, JD, you went to you you went to seminary, right? I I did. Yes. Okay, do, but uh, John Mark, what kind of do, did you go to a church that that studied that like taught young Earth creationism? Yes, I did, and I, I actually did go to a ministry school. Okay, yeah, for a little while, but I but that was after high school. Yeah, but yeah. I believe that I did. Well, what's really interesting, I feel like at my church, I could never really tell where anyone stood. Certain people would get up and say certain things, and other people would get up and say other things. And I don't know that we had an official policy as to how old the earth was, but it was much more common that the young earth thing was uh, was was the um, agreed upon uh, <laughs> idea. Yeah, it, it, that that's I grew up in because uh, uh, you grew up in North Carolina and I grew up yep. in Virginia, yep. and so mm -hmm. you know just south of the Bible Belt, 
you know, or yes. like I, I never I'm never totally clear on the the perfect geography of the Bible Belt. It's more like in my mind, like a Bible cummerbund. Like it seems to be pretty <laughs> wide in a pretty large yep. strip of the country. Totally. Or like the stripes on Charlie Brown's you know, sweater. Yeah. It's kind of like zigzags across the country. Yeah, yeah exactly. They like their big belts, though, down here. That's the thing. There you that's go. true. <laughs> that's true. But I remember hearing an interesting theory uh, from from my Baptist high school science teacher about the firmament. And, and, and can you, so I'm going to run this by you guys and let you let me sure. know if this sounds familiar at all. Uh, OK, like some young earth creationists believe that the that the earth is like, you know, 5000 years old. Right. Or, or somewhere yep. in that neighborhood. And. What I was taught in a, in a, in a, in an accredited high school was that, uh, it was 5,000 years old. And the reason that like Methuselah and all those dudes way back in the Old Testament lived for like 800 years or 500 years or really old was because the firmament around the, 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 the world, you know, that's mentioned in, in, in the creation story, like housed a lot of water. And the sun rays would be like diffused through it. So sunlight was not aging people as quickly. And then when the flood came, it was the firmament bursting and flooding the earth. And I remember thinking like, I don't know. I don't know how scientific that is, but it does seem like (laughs) from like a from like a Bible story perspective, it seems somewhat plausible, I guess. You know, it's at least super interesting. I like that idea. That's interesting to think about. Yeah, I, I went down that that firmament rabbit hole when I like misread the, <laughs> the title firmament. of the font. <laughs> well, Janie, what did you grow up? What did you grow up learning about the uh, uh, creation? Uh, well, I know like uh, really young. It was very much young Earth uh, to the extent where we had a traveling like evangelical teacher kind of come through our church, and they were yeah. selling. Um, these like cassette tape booklets that had all of this like advanced Bible interesting stuff. And I remember begging my parents to let me buy the whole series and they let me pick one and I picked the, um, the creation and dinosaurs based one. And I remember I opened the first page of it and it's like, we have now come to the place where we believe that the earth is Potentially billions of years old. And I remember as like a, like a fifth grader, like slamming it closed and being like, this is heresy. How, it's like, how it's like the equivalent of having person... like a Ouija board in the house. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> how could this person, how, how could our pastors you explain? Him? You explain Methuselah. You yeah. explain it. Science. <laughs> it clearly states. No. Yeah. Um, so I remember that. And then, um, yeah, that, and then it slowly etched away at, at my learning yeah. to where I became a non young earth creationist. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I don't mind. I, I like, I respect the, the, I respect people who believe in young earth creationism and their, and their interpretation. I think I've, I've, I've evolved personally in my views, but I, I respect people that, 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 you know, want to protect the, you know, what they see is like the literal authenticity of scripture. I understand sure. it, certainly, you know. Well, I, I've heard of this one guy and I don't, I don't have the reference in front of me. Um, but he was a astrophysicist turned pastor and his, his theory was 
that um, if space if space time is interwoven, then as it stretches, time does too, and okay. so time would essentially be running like in high speed at the moment of creation as it's expanding okay. away from the point You're of me, creation. <laughs> and so, so it would have been like you know the first day or whatever would have been uh, like a what we would calculate as, you know, billions of years now. Yeah. And then so it's slowly now that it's settling and stretching, it gets to more of what we encounter today. I have no idea if the mathematics, like, I like my, fir- I like up, my firmament theory better. It, that to be is, honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Mark, does it come because, because yes. you're also involved in, in teaching from time to time at, at church, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Does, yep. Is that ever a topic that comes up or is that something that because there are so many differing, very passionate beliefs, do you, do you kind of not avoid, but just choose to kind of talk about other things? Or is that something that you you engage with? I, You know, what I've tried to do is because we have people, you know, at my church who believe different things is not to um, avoid topics that are controversial, you know, at times, but to present both yeah. sides. Yeah. And I actually think that's more helpful because you're going to church with people who believe different things. Yeah. And so instead of avoiding like, well, we're not really going to talk about that because half the people believe this and half the people believe that we're like, Hey, we're going to say, Hey, we're all believers. and We all love each other. Some of you people here believe that the earth is like four or 5,000 years old. And some of you here believe, you know, that the world is billions of years old. Well, guess what? Like we can still love each other and that's what really matters. So yeah. I have, I have brought that up in church. Um, before I remember I actually was teaching on um, Noah and the flood, you know, and I was like, some people believe that every single animal who exists was on a boat with yeah. Noah. And some of you believe that this is, you know, a, um, a story about something else. I was like, but what's really important is, is the, the implications, you know, like yeah. God was not happy with the violence in the land and he was so unhappy that he was willing to start over, yeah. you know? And then at the end, of course, there's the rainbow where God said, I'm not going to do this again. The rainbow is like a bow and arrow pointing back at himself back at mm. the heaven. So he's like, I'll, I'm going to take the violence on myself next time. Yeah. Of course, Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like that's way yeah. more interesting than whether or not the animals mm-hmm. actually got on the boat or not. Yeah. So I try and bring up both sides the way, you know, both uh, groups might think or approach scripture and, yeah. and try and um, and try and communicate that like neither one of those really matter as yeah. much as, you know, um, or both of those can be um, ways we avoid the real point of scripture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they can both be ways to avoid the hard conversations that scripture wants to bring up, you know, but yeah. But uh, yeah, it is interesting. It, things have changed a lot in this day and age, like, you know, with podcasts. Like, I remember growing up, like, I remember going to the Christian bookstore to try and buy the Book of Common Prayer. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? Hmm. You know, I was like, well, this is a book about prayer. It's a very common one. <laughs> it's the Book of <laughs> yeah. Common Prayer. It's like, and I, I'm guessing it wasn't um, evangelical enough for that particular bookstore, you know, but that was the only place you got materials you heard from your pastor yeah, and you had what you had. And there was no, there were no podcasts. There was no Amazon, you know, you didn't, you didn't get to listen to Richard Rohr and um, Rob Bell and Mark Driscoll. And you know what I mean? Like you didn't get all of those different things. You weren't able to like weigh and measure those things because you didn't even know if they existed. All of a sudden people come to church and they know more about the Bible than you do. 
you know? So I think that church has to evolve in that sense. Like we've got to be willing to admit that we disagree. Even the yeah. people in this room disagree about a lot of things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm pretty hard into this firmament idea. So all right, well, that'll do it. That'll do it for, uh, for introductions and our, our creationism theories. Uh, up next, <laughs> the hot list. <laughs> You're listening to Something Has to Change by the Japanese House. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Try Hard Fool by the Growlers. That's a very uh, aggressive song title, Try Hard Fool. Uh, <laughs> it's not Try Hard, comma, Fool. Maybe it's just you're a Try Hard Fool, you know? Mm. And maybe that softens the blow a little. All right. It is time for... It's the hottest, the hottest. To, you know, got the oh, Friday the feels with that <laughs> jingle. All right, time for the hot list. We bring you five stories at the intersection of faith and culture. First up, You Say is now officially the biggest Christian song of all time. Lauren Daigle's hit single has now been the number one song on Billboard's hot Christian song chart for 62 weeks. That per- that surpasses Hillsong's Oceans, which was actually released back in 2003, which topped the chart for 61 weeks. Uh, Lauren told Billboard, uh, when it was announced that she broke the record, I really pondered the journey of the song Oceans, and I remember seeing the impact that that song made on so many people. It was just so beautiful to me. I hope that I could be a part of something that shakes the earth like that song. I didn't know that would ever happen, I, and I had no idea that You Say would be something that would parallel the life of Oceans. You Say has had an interesting journey as a song um, because... I've heard you say at the grocery store at like a TJ Maxx and at the gym when I work out, like it seems like it's really had this kind of crossover effect. Uh, what are your guys' feelings about uh, a Lauren Dago kind of taking the number one spot for me? Like charts are weird anyway. Like I feel like since the, since the streaming, since we live in the streaming age, charts are a little bit weird. Yeah. I know they have a way to calculate charts based on streaming, but I don't really, uh, I don't really understand it. And like, not to be like the cynical music industry guy, no, no. Anymore, but I know that charts are, <laughs> you can manipulate charts. Really? You know, well, not that you can make people, you can't pay people off, but you can do weird things to like get your album you know, up the chart. And at the end of the day, like I think a chart is often really just a, a sales opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's like something to talk about. Yeah. So it doesn't, that's in no way to take away from her accomplishment. Cause that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, yeah. But I don't know when you said charts, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about charts. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Charts like, are really strange to me. Because the other thing too, and John Mark, you probably know this more about this than the mere JD, but like when I see like album sales charts, it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know the last time I bought an album. I don't know any of my friends who've bought, and you know, in the Spotify era, you know, obviously you're an artist, but yeah, yeah. you also do cool things like having like kind of limited vinyl releases. Do you still see people buying a lot of physical like albums? Like, I guess, would they still buy them in like CD format? We don't know. We don't. I mean, like I didn't even press... I did a couple of B, kind of B-sides records after the Mercury Lightning record, yeah. and I didn't even press those to vinyl. Press, yeah. you know, press. I didn't even... <laughs> I did press... No, I didn't press them to vinyl, but I did not even make CDs of those because there's yeah. so few people who want them anymore. I think it's, you know, like... I think, like, my parents' age who still buy, you know, physical 
records more than anybody else. Yeah, you know. But I, I, the, I do like how CDs sound, though. Yeah, you know, I do well, kind of miss that. Yeah, like I don't think we've realized how the quality has gone down <laughs> over the years. Is it because of like compression for streaming? Yeah, it's compression and you know the um, things that they do to uh, like. I think at least from what they tell me, Spotify doesn't like anything to be louder than anything else, so they match volumes, uh, and that does something. You know, either squeezes it um, or compresses it, which sounds like they're like, oh, okay, we just don't want you to turn something on and then the next song blow your head off since you're literally pulling from a hundred years of recorded material. Yeah. You know, um, but also to squeeze it through the, your cellular service. Yeah. You know, like something happens there too. And I know like Tidal is really big um, on like high quality stuff, but even then it's, it, I did title for a little while and it's a little difficult to get it to download through your cell or it's not difficult. It's yeah. just slow, yeah. you know? So I'm really hoping that's going to change as the bandwidths increase. But what's funny is if you, if you put a CD on with some really awesome speakers, I bet it'll blow your mind how good it sounds. Yeah. Like if you haven't done it in like five years and yeah. you put that on, it's going to like blow you away. Dude. I, I was thinking, I, someone gave me like a DVD the other day and I'm like, Dude, I don't even have a device that will play a DVD. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't <laughs> even know. Like, totally. where am I, I going to go to the public library and find a computer that <laughs> actually has a CD drive? Like, I, yeah. like, it just like, I, I literally don't even know where I'd play a CD right now. You know, no, yeah, I'm a stickler no. for no. like physical medium when it comes to visual stuff. Like, I still buy like stupid 4K Blu-rays for certain things, like things yeah. that were shot on IMAX and stuff, because you just don't get the the quality off of like Netflix or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to see. I want to see the blackheads on like the <laughs> person's nose. <laughs> They're like delivering their monologues. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. speaking of uh, uh, quote unquote uh, secular music, mm. uh, there was some news with with our old friend Kanye West this weekend. He was supposed to drop "Jesus Is King." Wait, is, is that what you're working on secretly, John Mark? In the, in the other room? Is that- I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say, but yeah, I produced that record. <laughs> oh. We're all waiting. We're all waiting know, because it was right here. Uh, you know, Kim said it was coming out on Sunday and uh, Sunday came and went and, and, and we had no Jesus is King. Um, oh. But he did have two uh, like sort of these Sunday service events. They were called Jesus is King, a Kanye West experience. He hosted one in Detroit and he also hosted one in New York. Uh, a Rolling Stone writer uh, who was there described the album like this. Uh, the main subject matter is firmly rooted in Christianity. Parts of the Lord's Prayer will show up in the chorus or West will use the name of Jesus as the first word of every bar in a verse. At a show in Detroit, he reportedly told fans that he is no longer making, quote, secular music and that's gospel from here on out though it's still unclear when jesus is king will actually hit uh there will be a film about uh you know kind of based on the album i guess he kind of performed songs from the album at this art installation out in arizona and that'll be on imax so there you go jd for your for your (laughs) blu-ray player that's one you want to get uh that film which has come out on october 25th is called jesus is king um I, I'm of kind of multiple minds about this one. Like one, I'm curious if it's ever going to come out. Uh, you know, I do like the idea of what he did with like Life of Pablo, where it's sort of like a living album where he released it and then kept like updating it and changing songs. Uh, you know, John Mark, from a recording artist perspective, what do you think about sort of the drama involved with this particular album, Jesus is King? 
I, well, first I have multiple thoughts like you. I think, first of all, I think, and this doesn't take away from Kanye's personal faith. I'm not speaking to his personal faith at all, but this is like some really amazing Kung Fu, right? (laughs) Like, Certain artists are able to be like, what is the least cool thing in the universe? And I'm going (laughs) to reclaim that because there's so much bandwidth there for it. You know, like we do that a lot in the studio. Like what instrument is like not cool anymore? So uncool that literally nobody is using. Yeah. We're going to use it because it makes you stand out because no one else is using it. So I'm not saying he doesn't have a personal faith, but also like this day and age, what is less cool than Christianity right now? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like everybody is so mad at Christians and Christianity, I was like, this is some Kung Fu. Like Kanye is legitimately flipping. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's like lapped himself in a sense. He's gone all the way. I was like, he's become subversive by like engaging the mainstream, Yeah, you know? And I actually think it's, I actually think it's genius. You know, I mean, there is part of me that doesn't care at all what like rich, famous people think about Jesus, you know, yeah, yeah. but well, also like any more Kanye than is regular mu- people. Yeah, exactly. Any more than regular people. But Kanye is also a musical genius. I'm sure I'm going to love the music, you know, but I do. It made me like, God, I want to say Jesus more on my record than I'm working on right now. <laughs> it's like, I've been, I'm like, gosh, deconstructing is so uncool. All of a sudden Kanye just <laughs> came out, came out of the closet wide open as you know i don't know i thought i yeah. thought at first i was like what and i was like oh of course of yeah. course it's like everyone is so tired of this like middle ground everyone is so tired of like trying to figure things out spiritually speaking and yeah. kanye is just gonna like just go all the way there i, I just think it's a genius move like mar- marketing wise. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it gets funny too, because I remember, and this is like years ago, I was talking with someone involved in like, the, like the more traditional Christian music. And I think they were working in Christian radio and they were talking about the concept where they had something called the J count. And they had to have so many mentions of Jesus every hour or something like that. <laughs> uh-huh. So like when they're making their playlist, they're like, well, where's the J count? Like they had made Jesus's name into like an algorithm. And I think because of that, because of like, it, it, it was like commodified in music and then like decommodified for a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons. And, and now Kanye just re-embracing it is interesting totally. because even like the even like the apparel, the merch that's going with it, where yeah. it's, you know, Yeezys are the most one. Of, it's I think it's number two most valuable shoe brand right now, right behind Jordan. And, wow. you know, so he's a prolific designer, but his Sunday service, like Jesus is King merch, literally just says in big, bold letters, like Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like I was at I was at the uh, like a church or like an outdoor church service recently. And there was like an older, like a middle aged woman who was like, you know, ushering people in or whatever. And she had what I can only assume is was like a knockoff Sunday service. I'm sure she didn't pay like four hundred dollars at Coachella for it. Uh, but it said like mm-hmm. Holy Spirit on it and i don't i think she wasn't wearing ironically she wasn't wearing it because it was sunday service here she was like oh it's a shirt this is holy spirit i think i'll buy that you know it's (laughs) like it is kung fu like Mm -hmm. it's hard to to know what's sincere what's ironic and what is just seeing what he can appropriate to make cool again you know yep yep so i would imagine though i mean i've read about his like you know mental health issues and what he's walked through there like I can definitely see like how you'd want to re-engage in faith or engage more heavily in your faith when you're going through things like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just cause he's famous. I think we tend to think that rich people 
um, they do have it easier than non-rich people yeah. in certain ways. Like, you know, there are certain problems that you don't have to deal with, but then there are other problems that just don't go away. Like yeah. loneliness, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. depression, like money doesn't fix those things. Then there are other problems, you know, that are created by money. Like, oh, now, like... I can only have rich friends because anyone who doesn't have the the amount of money I have, I can't trust them because they might just yeah. like me for my money. Or you can never make any new friends. I tell my friends like who talk about winning the lottery how I think that would be such a bummer to win the lottery. Oh, yeah. The day you win the lottery, you will never make a new friend. The only friends yeah. you ever have are the ones you already had. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I guess he's going through something that I, I could totally – I do think it's a killer marketing move, but it could be deeper than that is what I'm saying. Yeah, it does seem, I mean, it seems earnest. I have no relationship with Kanye, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm watching, <laughs> you know, him through Instagram feeds and, yeah. you know, late night rants, but he seems earnest, you know? Yeah. And, and totally. like people may take issue with his theology or his lifestyle, but it's like, again, mm-hmm. I don't I don't see how engaging a conversation about faith in, in culture and in the public is a bad thing. That actually leads me up to, uh, our next item, uh, pop star Demi Lovato. Uh, this this one, hang on. This one, this this piece of news takes a couple of twists and turns here. So Demi Lovato, a big pop star, she recently went to Israel, and while she was there, uh, she was you know taking Instagram photos of her journey, including one of her getting baptized in the Jordan uh, River. And Demi Lovato is someone who has been you know very public about uh, substance abuse issues and, and mental health concerns, and has really been transparent about uh, you know. Her her, her lifestyle. And so she gets, she has a picture of her getting baptized in the Jordan river. I want to read her caption. It's sort of extended here. Um, and then, um, you know, what, this is what she wrote next to those pictures. I'm an American singer. I was raised Christian and have Jewish ancestors. When I was offered an amazing opportunity to visit the places that I read about in the Bible growing up, I said, yes, there is something absolutely magical about Israel. I've never felt such a sense of spirituality or a connection to God, something I've been missing for a few years now. Spirituality is so important to me. To be baptized in the Jordan River, the same place Jesus was baptized, I've never felt more renewed in my life. This trip has been so important for my well-being, my heart, my and my soul. I'm grateful for the memories made and the opportunity to be able to fill the God-sized hole in my heart. Thank you for having me, Israel. So that was that was a really interesting, uh, and, and I feel like a pretty cool story. But it also comes on the heels of a group of hip hop artists that a lot of us are friends with uh, Lecrae propaganda. Some of those guys, they also recently went to Israel. Uh, and while there Lecrae, he too got baptized in the Jordan river and posted pictures on Instagram. Now, a lot of people had, um, especially in our audience, really nice things to say about Demi Lovato's pictures and her captions, but Lecrae's drew somewhat of a backlash from fans because, uh, you know, presumably he's been baptized before. Uh, and also he sort of insinuated that the trip was going to help be inspiration for new music he's working on. Here's what Lecrae responded to critics on Twitter. He said, Jesus was already God and still baptized. He said, celebrate the heart versus criticizing the information. I write what inspires me. I'm inspired by being here. Don't make it more than it is, family. Okay, a lot to unpack there. Uh, first off, have you guys, have either of you been to the Holy Land? I have not. I want to. I have not either. I have not either. I, 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 that's, it's like on my, you know, bucket list of places that it would go. But if I went, I do think sort of like, 
visiting the Jordan River and the act of getting baptized seem like something, especially someone who grew up as Christian, would be a really cool thing to do. You guys have much more of an education on uh, church and, and theology than I do. I, you know, my beat is more Demi Lovato's Instagram feed. So uh, do you guys have any qualms about someone being baptized again for kind of ceremonial reasons other, you know, instead of like, Oh, it's the, you know, me becoming a Christian. Like, do you think that's problematic in any way to go to the Israel and be baptized in the Jordan river? If you're already baptized. I don't, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I would have a problem with it if it became like a, like just a stop on the, on the tourist trip. Like if it was the like, Oh, at this, Oh, here we are now. Like the bus squeals stopped and yeah. everybody gets out and they're like, okay, here's the Jordan river. Now go down these steps and we're going to dunk you under. Yeah. You did it. Here's your t-shirt that says you did it. And, and like doing something like that out of it. But if somebody, um, is having a moment, whether it's, whether it's a conversion moment or a rededication type moment, or even if it's just something more personal, like if they've been away for a while or, or not, yeah. I, I feel like if the heart is in the right place, I don't, I mean, I grew up, everybody kind of always taught it as the act of the baptism itself isn't actually physically doing anything. It's this representative act. And so. Yeah. If that's, if that's the case, then if it's representative, uh, for maybe a smaller change, I, I think I'm still fine with it. I, I would, there are some times where I would kind of question, um, like if I knew someone closer and I, and I knew their situation and their walk and, and they were good and they, and they just, we're like, oh, I want to, I want to do it. And I'd be like, yeah. oh, yeah, but, but why? Like, what's, what's, what does this, uh, mean to you? Why is this place? I mean, obviously, when you're talking about the Jordan River, I guess that, that's a little bit more like, yeah. oh, why is this place special to you? Like, <laughs> um, but I mean, I've been on missions trips before with, um, with like kids in the youth group and stuff that I know had like recently gotten baptized. And then just because they happened to be in Africa, they were like, oh, I want to get baptized again. It's like, well, I mean, okay. Yeah. Like, you can, but why? Yeah. Like, what's, is it just because it'll be a, a, a neater story to tell than when you're in Elder Bob's swimming pool or something? <laughs> yeah. Or, or the baptismal tank, some, right, yeah. you know, contractor dropped behind the pulpit of the, you know, nowadays it's like an inflatable pool that they stick out in front of the, the church or something. <laughs> yeah, which, on the parking lot on yeah, like right. baptism Sunday, like, you know? And, and yeah, believe yeah. me, like, the Jordan River is a lot cooler than the, the inflatable pool, but I mean, that's not, I think we all are on the same page. That's not what it's supposed to be about. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What do you think, John Mark? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't think that baptism is like a light switch. Like, you do it once and it's on, and like, you do it a second time and you've like sort of nullified the previous <laughs> baptism. Like, I'm with you. I, I think that baptism represents something else that's going on. Like, I guess I think of it more like, the baptism is like the wedding, like the wedding yeah. isn't the marriage. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you want to, um, you know, re, what do you call it? When you read your vows again, yeah. you have yeah. another like ceremony renewal or something. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, like you recommit your life or, yeah. you know, other situations where maybe there's a divorce or a spouse dies, you get married again. Like, I, I think the, the wedding or the baptism itself is just a symbol of something greater that's happening, but I'm, I'm totally with you. If you just want to do it because it's cool, like you're totally defeating the purpose. But right. like when you're in the Holy Land and you're like, Jesus stood in this water, yeah, like exactly. you want to feel more connected to 
you know, the person you're giving your life to and like, and you know, like I can totally see why you would want to get baptized again, but yeah, yeah I'm yeah. with you. I, I don't think it's about the act specifically as much as what the act represents. Right. I think the only thing about, um, from what I read in, in Demi Lovato's, uh, comments is there's a lot of vague spirituality talk sure. and that mm-hmm. would be my only other like just theological kind of concern would be that um that people not just her but other, but other people would kind of maybe a- appropriate this very ancient christian um act to just kind of fit within a more broad uh, realm of of spirituality, yeah. and maybe feel like they are taking part of something, and then they just kind of that's another element that they're going to tuck into their own version of spirituality or or whatever that means. And if that's a stepping stone that God is using to lead lead that person to Himself, then I'm cool. Um, it's more just the the kind of the trend to use Jesus or use baptism or use something else. Uh, without actually understanding the individual that you're talking about or understanding the more maybe difficult things that Jesus likes to talk about in in the scriptures and stuff and just like oh well I'm going to take the baptism cuz that's a that's a, a a nice refreshing metaphor imagery that I can use but like I'm not going to dive into some of the more uh complex moments of of Christ's teaching or something that would be the the only other little thing but i ultimately i i feel like you know if god wants to use someone uh being baptized in the river jordan to like spark something to draw them back to himself then he can use it and i think it's also like it's it's funny it's like another it's like another instance of like funny commentary on like modern outrage culture you know because yeah. i was like as i was prepping the show like people YouTube videos about the response and people posting videos. It's like, this is the level of scandal. Like where Mad Lecrae got baptized a second time. Like, oh my gosh, take the Twitter, call that guy out. He got baptized again. You know, it's like that. This is how outraged we are. This is a scandal that a Christian leader and someone a lot of people like and look up to got baptized in the Jordan River. That's a scandal. That's the other kind of like element I mean, it's of this nothing story. New, though. I mean, I grew up in a church where there was this guy who would come up to the altar like every single week and there are some people that, that was up, actively encouraged growing yeah, up because yeah. they're like hey just to be safe <laughs> just to you want to make sure that last prayer held <laughs> <You're> like, right <laughs> it's not gonna hurt it's not gonna hurt if you say the, just, the say the magic words again yeah just say know? them again just say them again <laughs> yeah just repeat after me you would be yeah. safe. Rather safe sorry all right john mark i picked this next piece just for you like usually we try to do stuff pretty right. squarely in the intersection of faith right. and culture but i could not do this one this one is just more of a culture story uh but i i remember last time we were on here you talked about being a fan of the mcu and uh, and it was it was announced this week uh that spider-man is back in the mcu so for context uh as of august 20th a feud between two studios sony who owns the right to spider-man and disney who owns the mcu led to the character being removed from the franchise basically they're arguing about who gets the most profits from the upcoming spider-man movies um but thanks to the effort 
of the uh, of Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, the two studios have struck a deal and Disney will now earn 25 percent revenue of a new Spider-Man movie. And they actually announced that it will open on July 16th, 2021, along with appearing in the standalone Spider-Man movie. He will also appear in at least one more MCU movie and maybe some of these Sony movies like Venom or, or, you know, some of the other superhero movies they're working on that aren't like connected to the MCU. So, uh, Kevin Feige, who, uh, oversees the MCU, is it Feige or Feige? Do you guys know? I don't know. I've heard both. He, he's, he's a big shot. He said this Spider-Man is a powerful yeah. icon and a, uh, and a hero whose story crosses all ages and audiences around the globe. He also happens to be the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes. So as Sony continues to develop their own Spideyverse, you never know what surprises the future may hold. Uh, John Mark has a professed fan of the MCU. Were you delighted at this news or indifferent? Oh, I, I was delighted. I just literally sighed with relief when I heard those words. Yeah. 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 Cause Spider-Man is, is like to me he is connected to the rest of the mcu yeah like there is not spider-man without the rest of the mcu but i've also been really bummed that it seemed like spider-man wasn't going to connect to the venom world yeah either yeah mm-hmm. and in my mind like i was a huge venom fan as a kid yeah. right oh, yeah my son is a massive venom fan but venom in my mind doesn't exist without spider-man yeah like the venom suit was spider-man's suit right yeah. and sort of like he gets all his powers from spider-man you know yeah and, and so like to me it was always it's it's I thought Tom Holland. I want to say Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom, Hardy. Tom Hardy. Please no. Yeah, oh, Tom Hardy. No. <laughs> Tom Hardy. I thought he did a really incredible job. You know, but I, I but it did bum me out to think like, oh, Spider Man will never be connected yeah. to this world, you know. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Like and honestly, like, I mean, I'm obviously not this like incredible business person or have any sort of insider information, but I was like, I think these two studios are really stupid not to like yeah, stick exactly. with what works because like the MCU Spider Man is killing it. You yeah. know, like, yeah, let's not mess with something that's absolutely dominating. Yeah. And it's also really entertaining. Like, let's let's share. There's there's millions to go around. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Billions. But, you know, the last one made like one point six to go yeah. around. Yeah. Exactly. I, I have a hot yeah. take. I have a hot take. Right. That I, I've, right. I've appropriated it from another. I was listening to a, like one of the ringer podcasts. I think it was the watch or something. One of the guys said, and I, and I, the more I thought about it, the more I agreed. I'm not like, but I'm not to the level of probably either of you guys in comic book fandom, but I, I have some relationship with it, all this from as a kid, but I kind of liked that, that he was going to go back to Sony and it was no longer going to be like, you know, space fighting Tony Stark warrior. I mean, he's basically got an Iron Man suit that looks like Spider-Man now, you know, full of technology. Like when, when I was a kid, it was your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Like his, his, it was very much lower stakes. Like he, he wasn't fighting Thanos on a spaceship on a foreign planet to save the population of half the universe. You know what I mean? Like the biggest conflicts in his life was something having to do with like Aunt May or, 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 you know, mm-hmm. someone like Venom, you know, whose range of violence was to the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood, which is like a five block area in New York. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed like it's more true to the character to have low stakes. JD, do you have thoughts on this? Yeah, I actually um, I'm I'm not a huge comic book person. I, I did read my fair share of Spider-Man growing up. <laughs> I think I think it was required reading uh, <laughs> yeah. if you're our age. But it was like, um I don't know. I I feel like one of the things that comic books do very well is they create 
like parallel universes like or they create these like parallel storylines and so uh, you can follow one storyline of spider-man and it's kind of more along the lines of what they're doing with the mcu where it's these big massive monstrous battles where the planet is about to get destroyed every other day and then you have someone else some other author who's writing spider-man stories that even can utilize the same characters but they're telling like really small intimate stories like you're talking about about like aunt may and all this stuff and i think that's the one thing that um the cinematic universes are are having a hard time reconciling because they've built the cinematic universe now where like anytime a bad guy shows up why not just get on the phone and call up like all the other avengers yeah. and have them yeah. come in why would there ever be this like nice small intimate story and you you see that the intimate stories do well like logan did really well yeah and they had to set it in a different time period and i mean that's that's kind of not mcu land but it's still a marvel character and so they have they have to like balance this out a little bit and even um the into the spider-verse movie which was sony animation i thought it was like fantastic and it was separate yeah. from the mcu and i just i feel like and i don't know if this will work i don't know if it would cross mediums well but i feel like there could be room for multiple like superhero stories that involve the same characters yeah. Um I mean we've reinvented Batman like 19 times now and it's yeah. and like they all kind of have their own characteristics and comic books and comic book fans are really used to that world and movie going people traditionally aren't used to that world like they're trying to you're either rebooting or it has to be along the same lines. And I'm almost curious if this MCU has become a monster that's so big that if they don't start spinning off and making smaller stories, it's just going to be like, okay, who is the next villain that's going to try to destroy the world? Who is the next thing that like, yeah. it's going to be this big, this big epic moment. And you kind of get that, um, survivors. Uh, I forget what they call it, like the near miss syndrome, where like the world almost gets blown up, but then it doesn't. And so yeah, eventually you stop yeah. caring about whether or not the person's threatening to blow up the world. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's my silly take from a yeah. person that doesn't make movies or, or read comic books. <laughs> All right. One more piece of uh, culture and entertainment news at the intersection of faith and culture. Number one on this week's hot list. <laughs> I, you guys may question why I ranked it number one, but I felt like it could generate a little discussion here. All right. M. Night Shyamalan's new Apple mm-hmm. TV show will deal with themes like life and belief. OK, so there aren't a ton of details available just yet about the new series, but it is called Servant and it will debut on the platform on November 28th. Uh, this week, they've released a couple of kind of creepy trailers um, in, in the in the latest one, a woman is seen changing the diaper of an extremely realistic looking like rubber or silicone baby. Uh, and the words appear on the screen. What do you believe? Um, according to the official synopsis, Servant follows a Philadelphia couple in mourning after an unspeakable tragedy creates a rift in their marriage and opens the door for a murderous force to enter their home. Uh, though, you know, his films do frequently deal with the supernatural or paranormal faith and religion are also frequent themes and have showed up in films like signs, the village and devil. And we're kind of in a Shalama sense right now. You know, he's, he's <laughs> kind of making, he went through a period where he, he, he was the big hot new director with, with, you know, signs and the sixth sense and, 
But then he kind of had the weird ones, Lady in the Water, and he kind of became a joke. Uh, but then he's had some of these kind of mid-budget movies that have actually done pretty well. Um, and now he's got the show for Apple TV, which is positioning itself as like the ultimate prestige TV. Uh, uh, John Mark, let's start with you. Do you have an opinion about In Light Shyamalan? And does a project like this interest you at all? Yeah, I'm a big fan of M. Night. I haven't loved every single one of his movies, but the movies he's made that I did love, I loved a lot. Like yeah. Unbreakable is one of my favorite movies of all time. You don't really hear people talk about that movie yeah. very much. Mm-hmm. The original one with Bruce Willis. And what was the, what was the, um, was it, uh, gosh, what was it called? The second one, the third, the new one was called Glass, but then there's one before. Uh, split. 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 Yeah. I thought that was terrifyingly exciting. So yeah. I really enjoyed that one too. So yeah, I'm super interested and the faith component makes it even more interesting. So I'm, yeah, I'm super interested to see what this series is like. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the way that he has incorporated faith into some projects specifically, I mean, in signs, it was overt, right? I mean, right. wasn't yeah. Mel, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Mel been, Gibson was a, was, was a, priest. a priest who had walked away from the faith. Yeah. Uh, signs it, is like one of my favorite movies. Because yeah, the whole movie is a metaphor about doubt and coming back to faith mm-hmm. and, right. and about yeah. experiencing things that that uh, in the midst of tragedy. And then in the village, it's more about like spiritual oppression and fear of the unknown and actually using fear to control very religious people. And I don't know if you guys saw Devil. That one kind of flew under the radar uh, where it's basically it's 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 a really small film where people get stuck in an elevator and uh, the power keeps going out. And every time it comes back on one, another person in the elevator is dead and they're trying to figure out who's killing everyone. Um, but y- y- the, the, the movie, you find out the backstory is kind of lost style and series of flashbacks. And everyone is dealing, everyone in the elevator is dealing with unforgiveness in their life. And wow. that theme you know, it, it, I don't want to give too much. I don't want to spoil the movie. And it has been out for like 15 years. Like that theme of unforgiveness is what is at the heart of evil in the film. The only way that to conquer evil is to either forgive someone or forgive or, or your, their, yourself. So I do feel like he has played with these themes in interesting ways. JDR, do you, ha- do you care about this Apple TV series at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I really like, um, like, like John Mark was saying, the, the films that I like of his, I really like. Yeah. I really like how he builds stories around like themes and concepts and stuff. I think it's his greatest strength and maybe his greatest weakness, um, uh, because so much of it, so much of the story is subject to that theme, uh, yeah. where if the theme doesn't have enough legs, then the story just starts to kind of fall apart itself. Um, but, um, I'm always curious to see what he's doing and I'm curious to see him do it in more of like a, like a bite sized way. Like instead of having to write, instead of having to write out like a two hour narrative, uh, even if it does, even if it is like a 10 episode series, like he can, I'd love to see what he can do breaking those stories down into, you know, 50 minute, and I actually have no idea how long the the episodes are, but breaking them down into small, like, episodic storytelling i'm really curious with it and it'll just be um for me it'll be like what is what themes is he landing in and 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 is he has he given himself enough room to play in with that theme um and and i think if it does then then i think he'll be good I, i think they're also doing some other stuff too apple tv is uh with um steven spielberg is is releasing like amazing stories which is kind of like an old outer limits kind of vibe as twilight zone kind of thing. And so they're, they're really playing into 
some of my sci-fi love language. So thanks, yeah. Apple. Yeah, comes out soon. Yeah. I love the whole idea of the long form. Yeah. You know, it used to yeah. be like, if you want a movie budget, you get like two hours. Or if it's like a, you know, big time director who's doing their masterpiece, maybe, you know, you get like four hours, three mm-hmm. hours, four hours, right? But, um, or you have a, the long form TV show, which is like a super tiny budget, Yeah, you know, but now you have movie budgets for series yeah. that uh, could go on, you know, indefinitely, you know? Yeah. And so I, I really like that you don't have to wrap up the story in two hours. Yeah. You can spend two years, three years, four years, five years, you know, developing a storyline, you know, with movie level budgets. I love that. I love that about the modern, you know, yeah. streaming age. Yeah, I have a for question sure. for you, John Mark. In the music industry, I know a lot of things are, are moving towards like singles and, and things of that nature. Do you see there being, uh, just like what we were talking about, do you see there being kind of a resurgence of the album anytime soon? Like in that way where like artists are, are stepping away and making like more albums? Because so much of the, like what I see, mm-hmm. what I like as a listener, just what I'm interacting with is when I'm on iTunes and I'm just seeing single, 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 and everybody's trying to get their single out. But I personally love to just sit down with an album and just love to sit yeah. and, and listen Beginning to the to whole end. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the experience that I want more of that longer formed thing. And we're seeing that transition start to happen a little bit or, or like the, the paths are diverging a little bit in visual media. Do you think, do you see that or is it happening already? Am I not paying attention? <laughs> it's been happening for years. I think it's all sort of happening all the time. Like mm. singles are really good for getting people's attention, but you know, different artists have played with different sort of ideas. Some just put out singles and then some are actually putting out very large records because mm. if you're talking just from a financial, you know, benefit standpoint, it's beneficial for someone to listen to one song and listen to another song and another one and another one. And so if you put out a record with like 20 tracks if they like it they'll stay on your record i think drake a while back like came out the record just like massive record like Mm -hmm. i can't remember how many tracks were on it you know but i think so there's sort of um and not to make it about finances but that's sort of what drives the format really Mm -hmm. is for the technology and the way you monetize the technology so it's easier to monetize a single or it has been but at the same time all of a sudden it's like people do want more and so if you're able to put out more content then people will listen all the way through. I think my fans like albums, yeah. you know, and maybe cause I've always been more of an album, uh, an album artist. I like albums too. Um, and I like to listen to vinyls. Great. Cause it's hard to, to flip from song to song on vinyl. Like right. you put yeah. the needle down, you got to listen all the way through. I love yeah. that. You know, I mean, for me, like growing up, like a lot of my favorite songs were not my favorite songs right away. I had to hear them three or four times before I really connected to the song. And I don't think that happens as much anymore with a singles culture, you yeah. know, and and the algorithms, it's almost like sugar, you know, like it's like we put more sugar in the bread, more sugar in the meat, you know, yeah. at a point yeah. it's just all sugar. You know, so I guess it's a both and like it's a singles culture and an album culture. I think people bounce back and forth. And probably when you hear a single and you fall in love with that artist, you're just going to want more material anyway. But it is a little more difficult to maintain people's attention. And putting out singles is great because it's like posting on Instagram. You forgot what I posted yesterday, but I better post something today. So some some people will put out like a single a month or a single a week. I, in the future, I may put out albums and singles. I'm considering that. Now that I have a studio in my house, I can put out a record and then put out 
yeah. singles that aren't connected to the record yeah. throughout the year. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where it's going. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun, fun to watch. And, you know, it's fun. It's fun to getting, you know, these kind of prestige shows, too, that either might make it or might not. But at least there's a lot of content out there. All right. Well, that'll do it for the hot list. Next up, Drew Holcomb. listening to days by no vacation well this week's featured interviewed is brought to you by our brand new podcast called it's a podcast for church leaders man we have brought some killer guests in john mark mcmillan's been on the show talking about worship along with kim walker smith bianca oldtoff is on uh, on a regular basis we've also had john mark comer on uh reverend samuel rodriguez maybe nt wright is going to be on in a future episode if you you know someone who is in leadership at a church or if you are in leadership at a church make sure to get the called podcast because not only are they talking about practical stuff like the art of the sermon uh worship kind of dealing with issues like politics in the pulpit also also things like self-care and dealing with anxiety and pressure as a leader you can get it wherever you get your podcast it is called called and it is our new church leadership podcast well drew hokum and the neighbors recently released their brand new album dragons which blends americana sounds with themes about life family and contentment the band recently kicked off a national tour which would go on through this fall we recently talked with drew about the about the album some of its major themes and some of its breakout songs here is part of our conversation with Drew Holcomb. Take a few chances, a few worthy romances. Go swimming in the ocean on New Year's Day. Don't listen to the critics. Stand up and bear witness. Go slay all the dragons that stand in. I want to I want to start with, uh, you know, uh, the, the opener and, you know, one that, um, you know, I think a lot of people will be familiar with is family. Tell me a little bit about how that song came about and why you wanted to to, to kind of write about, you know, just it's it's a very joyful song. Uh, tell me about that song and the, particularly the approach to it. Yeah. So I, I'm one of 28 grandkids on my mother's side. Wow. I am second of four kids. My dad and, and mom loved road tripping uh as as you know as a family and so we had this various conversion vans over the years that we would pile into and i had my brother was in a wheelchair and so it was always sort of a unique travel situation but we we went everywhere and uh we always had these big family reunions and so i knew uh, i had this idea i just wanted to write a song about about my large family because i do think it's sort of unique and we're all still relatively close so um, I've been listening to a lot of Paul Simon, which kind of here on the track. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a very unusual sort of song stylistically because there's not really a chorus. It's basically the chorus is just the first word of every line. You know, it's the sort of stanza refrain, you know, family singing in the kitchen, family running through the yard, family going on vacation, family in the credit card. And the credit card line especially is one of my favorites because it sort of adds a little bit of an edge and a little bit of a risk. 
to the song. It's like, well, sometimes, you know, families on families on borrowed time, families on borrowed means, you know, you, you're taking a chance, you're taking a risk to sort of create a memory. And my dad always said, he said, you know, when, when I die, we may not have um, much, we may not have much cash to give you, but we made a lot of deposits in the memory bank. So, you know, you, we, that's what you, your inheritance is your memories. On the way to the city, laughing in the rain. It ain't always pretty, can drive you insane. Another one I wanted to, to jump out there at the at the top of the album is "Into the World," which is such like um, it's such an interesting song lyrically. I mean, I love the the sound of it too, but it's such an interesting song lyrically. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the backstory of "Into the World"? Yeah, so I started that song with this line: um, "Don't eulogize on my behalf. I'm a long way from my epitaph." Uh, and so the song is really about sort of finding your 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 individual voice in sort of sea of um, political and cultural division that we sort of find ourselves in constantly. You know, if you listen to the, the Trump campaign, they're going to tell you that, you know, there's, uh, or even the, the Republican sort of side of things, it's like, hey, the world's coming to an end because the moral failures of the far left and they're just degrading our family, you know, economy and you know, if you know what he said in his you know inauguration, it's American carnage everywhere, and so it's like all this bad news. Then you know, if you go to the other side of the thing, it's like, hey, you know, if we don't, you know, solve this, you know, climate thing, the Republicans are going to destroy the world, and everybody hates each other. It just is like sort of can be kind of overwhelming. And while I certainly have a, a point of view and all of that, I, I, I don't think it sort of defines the way that I see people who don't share that point of view. And so, in that, I think we can sort of get lost and all of that and we can lose our identity and lose our capacity to like hey we're still alive you know we've got a life to live there's this great um, Peanuts cartoon Charlie and Snoopy are sitting on the edge of a dock looking out of our lake and Charlie says in his sort of you know typical you know sort of doomsday personality he says hey Snoopy you know we're gonna die someday Snoopy says yeah Charlie but not today and every day till then we're going to live, you know? And so that's, that's essentially, it's, it's like a, a little bit of a tongue in cheek take on that sort of eat, drink, and be buried for tomorrow. You will die. Cause it's not, it's not today. You know, don't, don't eulogize on my behalf. I'll, when I'm dead, I'm dead, but I'm not there yet. Hey, it's the end of the world now. Haven't you heard? So you smoke them if you got them. Boys and girls say, I wanted to also, I, I know we mentioned it early, but make it look so easy. I, I'm a, I, I, that's one I've been constantly coming back to. Can you talk a little bit about the, the backstory and making of that song? Yeah, I, was, I wrote that with Lori McKenna up in Boston, and she's been married to her husband, Gene, for 30-plus years. They have five kids. You know, Ellie and I have been married 15 or 14 years, three kids, and um, both of us were just talking about how, like, you know, how grateful we are for these um long-standing, you know, sort of stood the test of time relationships and how sometimes you look at your spouse and you're like, man, you just, you make life 
so much easier for, for me, you know. So I sort of pulled different parts of me and Ellie's story into the verses. Uh, and just, you know, sort of, it's just a simple sort of ode to the one you love. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a gratitude song. But wanted to sort of couch it in this big, like you said, Tom Petty, Fleetwood Mac-esque, you know, anthemic, you know, guitar rock and roll song. Was Drew Holcomb up next? Ask the cast. Top left, top right, I don't know. Let's go fishing. Been a minute since I've been in the game. I'm on a mission for the so fine. Think I'll make a top five on the list. John Perkins was just 16 years old when his brother returned to Mississippi after serving in World War II. He was shot and killed by the police. Years later, when John went to the police station to bail out a fellow civil rights leader, he was brutally tortured. Yet, he has spent his life fighting for biblical reconciliation with a message of the healing, transformative power of love. As Judah Smith wrote, John Perkins is a national treasure. Many have asked Dr. Perkins how to carry on his legacy of love and justice. His simple answer is this, be friends, first with God, then with others, every kind of other you can think of. Because the simple, powerful, messy, explosive truth is this. The world is changed one friendship at a time. Discover the power of friendship to change the world in Dr. John Perkins' latest book, He Calls Me Friend. I've been kicking back while I listen back to every lyric I've written about a girl in the past. There's a lot of them breathing this oxygen. You're listening to Retail Therapy by Dornick, featuring Barney Artist. So there you go. Uh, all right. It is time now for Ask the Cast. We sent out a tweet. We asked for your questions. Chandler, you're going to read us a couple. I know we're, yep. we're running a little long here. So why don't you pick uh, a couple of these and we'll, we'll ask the panel. Uh, Chandler, what's first up in Ask the Cast? All right. I think uh, this one's pretty obvious, but Ryan asks, okay. what's your favorite fall season beverage? Pumpkin mm. spice latte or apple cider? Mm. Oh. Man, I live that PSL life, dude. I I get really? my rib sweater. I get the big turtleneck. I you know uh, like to like to show off my scarfs on the gram. Uh, all pumpkin spice latte for me, guys. All it's the taste really? of fall. Didn't just, expect that. Just put in to sugar form. Just inject it in my veins, guys. I love it. What what about you guys? I I'm an apple cider guy. For okay. me, the fall is about a massive apple cider at the Renaissance Fest dressed up like a king. Wait, oh, wait, wait. Nice. <laughs> wait, hold on. What is the, is the Renaissance Fest like a like a fall thing by you? Is that like it I, is. I, I picture like raking leaves, tossing the old pig skin, you know, like, you know, college, you know, college game day, the Renaissance Fair. 
like the renaissance fair that's me man i don't know if you know they travel and just my local renaissance fair is you know they're only open in the fall maybe it's some other part of the country they're open in the summer or the spring yeah you know whatever but they only open in the fall here and (laughs) i take my kids every year and i get a (laughs) massive apple cider and i dress up like a king and i wear a sword (laughs) and i walk around and i talk to all the demons and comic book people and the fairies (laughs) yeah it's i don't know it's just it's fascinating to me my kids love it too it's just a great opportunity to dress up like somebody else and yeah pretend you're someone else for a day yeah that's my fall (laughs) oh if if it's between the two of those i do i do apple cider but if i could choose anything i'm like a vanilla chai latte person that's not i think that's not false that That tastes like fall to me that's not the spirit of the question jd all right (laughs) what's next (laughs) you ruined Uh, that one jd lydia asks my fiance and i are honeymooning in switzerland what okay. should we do while we're there to make most the most of our trip? Wow, Switzerland. I've never been and I know very I, I, I feel like I conflate Switzerland and Sweden and like a lot of Nordic areas in my mind. Uh so I the only thing my only context for I don't traveling, think Switzerland is Nordic. Yeah, well, see, that's it's, the thing. I conflate it's like it all. In the, it's like in the Alps. Yeah, exactly. Okay, here's what my my only like knowledge of all these places is from watching random cooking shows on Netflix where they go <laughs> and it's like, this is where it looks like the scene from Sound of Music, but the whole reason that they take you there is so that you can learn meticulously how Swiss cheese is made. Like, mm. what kind of grass the cows are eating, like the weird family that's been manning those cows for like 10 generations, you know, that live under like a windmill and you know so i would say go hunt down some swiss cheese like travel through food if i've learned anything through netflix john mark you probably you've been you've toured the world have you been to switzerland switzerland is one of the few places well one of the few there's actually lots of places i haven't been but it's one of the few places that i've planned to go that i've not yet visited and many many of my friends have been to switzerland and i would say at least what they tell me is that you need to just go hiking, get out into nature, like find the little villages and ride the little buggy up to the top of the mountains. Like apparently the, the Alps are like, you know, some of the most, uh, unbelievable mountain ranges in the world. And, um, and I've heard (laughs) (laughs) to go, go look at some nature. That's what I would attempt to do. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, this is just a little tip for international travel. Uh, you know, sleeveless American flag t-shirt. Let them know. Yeah, yeah let them know. Let them know where you come yeah. from. Let them know these colors don't run. And we're here. Yeah. We are here. And we're going to have a good time. Oh, and man. we're going to be loud if we want to be loud. And we're going to demand good service ever we go. JD, do you have any tips for their Switzerland ad- honeymoon adventure? Yeah, I'm going to introduce some controversy here. And I'm going to say that you should try to hunt yourself down some Nazi gold. Because... Oh. Supposedly, during World War II, the Nazis hid all their gold in Switzerland because Switzerland remained neutral. And huh. then the Nazis went away, and no one knows where that gold went. So, hang huh. yourself well, down some Indiana Nazi gold. Jones, little Indiana yep. Jones adventure yep. up there. So, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, set up a tax shelter. Oh, exactly. A Swiss bank account. Yeah. Set up a Swiss bank account. From my understanding of watching, uh, you know, James Bond movies or, or like espionage documentaries, you know, it's a very good place to set up a bank account. Use that honeymoon. Yeah. Use that. Use that wedding money. Set up a yeah. little, little side account. You know, call it whatever you want because it's untouchable. All right, Chandler, we got time for one more. Give us All one right. more. Ask the cast question. All right, Hope asked, "What is the next worship leader fashion trend?" Mm. Mm. Wow, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go bold here. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say monocles, monocles or eye patches. <laughs> 
like <laughs> I hope it's something that involves one eye. I feel like we've covered every, I feel like just fashion in general, we've covered everything else. Like fashion mm. is just continually moving backwards. You know, like it, 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 it it's like it, 70s is no longer cool. Like it, it's, it's now, you know, like very rustic or like, you know, it just keeps moving decades backwards. I'm talking go like 16th century monocles or eye patches. You look, what you either look very sophisticated Powder or wigs. very tough. Like, yeah. and either of those, either of those two things is a very good look, in my opinion. If someone's wearing a monocle, you're like, that's probably that guy's probably like a professor, like at Cambridge, or you know, is making a time machine in his basement or something. If you got an eye patch, it's like, how'd you lose that eye, bro? got to be a cool story you know so i don't know what do you guys think oh man i'm trying not to be mean no be mean unleash just figure out what people were doing four years ago outside of church and that's probably (laughs) (laughs) like go to go to brooklyn and take a time machine back you know four or five years ago and that's exactly what everyone's going to be doing on stage Uh, (laughs) i have no style so i can say that because i'm I'm the worst like i have i have no style whatsoever so Jenny, what's your prediction? Yeah, so I'll take a note from Kanye's new merch, and it's all like sweatpants and yeah. uh, sweaters. Lounge and so wear. I think you're going to walk into a service, and it's going to look like you're going into an aerobics class from 1992. <laughs> and so everybody's going to have their sweatbands on, and yeah. and uh, you know, the just just a big old poofy sweat sweatsuit. Yeah, yeah, and get I the- agree with you one hundred percent. I think you nailed it on the head. I was <laughs> wrong, but that's exactly what's going to happen. Listen, if if you've been to preachers and sneakers recently the, on Instagram, it's pretty close to that right now. It's a lot of sweat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some churches are making their own sweatpant merch right now. You know what I mean? It's got like their. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing that down. Sweatpants. Sweatpants. <laughs> sweatpants with like your name, right? JMM, yeah. right on the crotch. Like that's the look. That is the look. They're very comfy. They're very comfy. And then wear some big bulky dad shoes that, you know, cost $1,200. And yes. you, could be, yeah. you could get internet famous too. All right. Well, that'll do it for Ask the Cast. Uh, hey, I want to thank Drew Holcomb for being on the show. His latest album, Dragons, is out now. You would also can check them out on tour. Also, John Mark. Thanks for being on with us again, man. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you guys for having me back. Every time I'm like, oh, I think I said something stupid. They're never going to have me back. And I keep no. getting emails. And yeah. I'm like, well, this hey, is sweet. there is nothing too stupid on this podcast. <laughs> Trust me. You have not said anything. It's impossible to say more stupid things than I've uttered on this podcast <laughs> for most of my adult life. So, uh, but hey, people should follow John Mark on Twitter and Instagram for the for the latest updates about about his projects. Yes. Uh, also, I want to encourage people, hey, download the new uh, our new podcast for for church leaders called also be sure to subscribe to relevant daily to get uh, the latest uh, in, in, in news every single, every single weekday to your feed and subscribe now and you'll get issue one Oh one with our, our good friend, Malcolm Gladwell on the cover. We got features with Jim Gaffigan, uh, Jeannie Gaffigan, uh, Logan Browning from dear white people. It's a great issue. You can subscribe and get that now. All right. That'll do it for the show. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm John David Harris. I'm Chandler String. I'm John Mark McMillan. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. 
check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Let them know where you come from. Let them know these colors don't run. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.